Ideological subversion is, is the slow process or psychological war to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing process which goes very slow and is divided into four basic stages. everybody and welcome to poking the pot podcast episode unknown (laughs) (laughs) the problem with recording multiple episodes in one week just to have enjoy your vacation yeah uh this should be episode seven potentially uh gonna be a bible deep dive part one is voting moral <laughs> I'm your host Garrett this is the co-host Tanner hello shalom Today... <laughs> I'm going to start Today... doing that on all the bible deep dives right, shalom right. <laughs> today is Tuesday March 30th um little bit of a content warning for a different reason. Uh, today we're going to be diving into the Bible, so if that offends you, listen. Go find another podcast. Or listen anyways. <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> um, we're not trying to preach, and we're not scholars. We're not experts in the field. Um but we do believe that we're on the right track and we kind of want to challenge your thought process on this topic and the other topics we're going to bring up when we dive into some biblical stuff. So uh, if you are listening to this, I just ask that you kind of come in with an open mind and try to... Hopefully we can get you to question your line of thinking. Which you should come into open mind with everything, but... Regardless. Yes. Um, we're going to be kind of looking at two different things. Uh, first of being the lesser of two evils argument. Uh, I'm going to call out the Christian conservatives with this one because this is typically what I hear when uh, a lot of Christians justify voting. A lot of Christ- uh, conservatives justify voting. Usually... They will pick the lesser of two evils in their candidate. They'll usually pick one issue, being abortion, and then they'll say that they're justified in taking the in voting. And then the second thing is, we'll take a look at that argument, and then we're going to take it a step further and bring up the question: Is voting even moral at all? Uh, once you get past the lesser of two evils at that point is there even still an option for you so that's what we're going to try and dive into today hopefully we can get uh, our points across in a way that makes sense to you anything you want to add no but i do remember uh in the election of 2016 
people were asking me, I was just like, oh, you're going to vote for Donald Trump, right? Because he's way better than Hillary. And I always responded with, sure, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to vote some, I, I don't believe in voting for the lesser of two evils. And my, I didn't have the argument uh, through the Bible till recently, and now I do. And, and now I'm even more convinced that my line of thinking then even though i didn't have anything to back it up other than that is correct yeah that was i mean kind of where i've always been was the lesser of two evils isn't better um uh, i've already said i voted for trump back in 2016 but i didn't vote in 2020 um because I, at that point, dove in and started researching the candidate and realized he was no better than anyone else. So I had no interest in voting again. But I guess we'll just dive right in. Uh, the simple answer to the questions that we're going to try and answer today is basically no and uh, no. <laughs> there is no such thing as a lesser of two evils. Um and, and they're uh, not according to the Bible. Um, I have no idea where this argument came from, to be honest. Go ahead. Which I'll just break down le uh, lesser of two evils if you're confused at home. Oh, yeah. Uh, so murder is evil, right? Mm -hmm. Is assault then evil as well or is that okay sure no. well I, I mean i think it's evil i people think like oh because this politician didn't do the evil that this other politician did that makes them okay oh because trump wasn't a politician he was just a celebrity that means he's never done evil in his life he hasn't killed anyone yet but uh he's molested some people but that's okay yeah, basically the idea of lesser of two evils is there's different variations of evil. The, certain things are more evil than others. You know, murder is more evil than rape, basically. Or uh, uh, theft is more evil than fraud or whatever. Um, and when applied to voting, basically we have evil Trump and we have evil Hillary but Trump is less evil than Hillary, so we'll vote for Trump, even though they're both evil. Um, and this isn't biblical at all. Uh, the Bible is very clear about what it says on what is good and what is evil, and that we aren't to mix the two. Um, Matthew twelve thirty, uh, Jesus says, "Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters." Um, another example in Romans twelve nine, uh, "Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good." First uh, Thessalonians five twenty two. Uh, abstain from every form of evil evil is evil we're not we're never supposed to 
mix our evils up. We're never supposed to commingle with evil people to get things we wish done. It's it's not a gray it's not a gray area. It's not something we can kind of uh, work our way into and then work our way back out of for the good of Christ or whatever. Um, there's good and there's evil. And the Bible is very clear about there's good and there's evil, and it's very clear about not mixing it up. Um, Proverbs 3.31 Do not envy a man of violence, and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. 17.15 of Proverbs he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Both times, it's an abomination to the Lord when people mix up good and evil or uh, try and justify some sort of evil or even envy that evil, whether it be due to being envious of power or money or vice versa. Uh, Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We're not even supposed to mix them together or mix them up. If we continue down the line, I get there eventually. You want me to pull up the last one? Sure. Uh, Ephesians 5, 6 through 13. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were sons of dis, or you were darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good, right, and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. And then James 4.17 says, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So, I mean, as we can see, the Bible is very clear about what it says we should do towards evil people or what evil people are in God's eyes. So to be trying to justify evil, I, I don't get where you would think that is a biblical thing. Clear as day to me when you read the Bible as a whole that evil is evil, good is good. They are very separate and need to be kept very separate. Because when we mix them together, we're just heading down the path of 
to become an abomination according to the Lord. Um, go back. Uh, in, in Ephesians the in five, chapter 5 I read 6 through 13 but uh, specific uh, I want to talk about verse 10 a little bit it said and tried to discern what is pleasing to the Lord um, if we want to go to Matthew 22 uh, 34 through 40 we go to the great commandment which is where Jesus basically summarizes the whole 10 commandments and the way we need to approach um, our whole life. Uh, starting at 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. If we look at the perspective that the Bible takes on evil, which is, it, it's very clear, evil is black and good is white. There's no, no real gray area in, the, in that description. And then we look at uh, we take a little bit more of a practical look at it and start trying to uh, glean what God is saying is good and evil, what God is saying is right and wrong. Uh, the root of every argument you will make comes from uh, the great commandments. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor above yourself. When we look at voting, once we settle the simple idea that there's no lesser of two evils, and we then begin approaching uh, everything with the perspective of that commandment, me personally, I'm not sure you can even vote at all. Because it holds us to such a separate and higher moral standard that no, I mean, no candidate will ever reach. Um, so how can how can we vote then and still be righteous in God's eyes if a lot of people? don't realize that them you're not just giving like you're not just voting you're giving you're writing down on a piece of paper i tanner last name give my support to this person and it's much more than like you're giving your i don't know how to word this you're giving your almost full support behind this person and you're... A simple way to break it down is like typically when 
if someone commits a crime and you assist them in getting there or you put them in power, uh, you're technically liable for that. Why in voting are we not liable for that? Why are we not, to some extent, responsible for... I, I get that you can't, you know, control people's actions and all that, but the complete disconnect of voting someone in no matter what they're going to go do to people is is insane how can you you know you're going to vote for someone who's pro-life for example but that same candidate is completely anti-life somewhere else they're uh say pro-war especially war that a lot of people can't even justify due to the amount of people it's killing for no reason that's that's still evil and that's still anti your neighbor another example is on the flip side so i mean that would be voting on the conservative side but let's look at on the liberal side a lot of people will they won't vote for a candidate who's uh pro-war in foreign countries but then that same candidate will come turn around and be trying to create a war with the citizens of the country that you live in whether it be trying to strip rights from people or being pro-abortion or whatever they may not be murdering people in another country but they're murdering people over here how is it any better murder is murder i just realized i said this when we tried to record it the first time but that's why i haven't been saying it but uh, <laughs> uh god commands us to love our neighbor more than ourselves and the actual i should have pulled it up again but when god says your neighbor the actual meaning of that is your co-citizen so or citizen of the people or people and sure when it was written all of the people were over in the middle east but now we have people all over the globe so loving your neighbor extends to your neighbor in a foreign country and if you're voting for someone that's going to kill someone in a foreign country that's not loving your neighbor whether that's be a citizen in another part of the world or someone over here yeah uh, your neighbor encompasses a very large group of people not just the person across the street from you so if you're approaching the ballot box being well it doesn't affect the people right next to me even though it affects the people across the state or affects the people uh, two states over or affects the people in another country that's still anti-neighbor and when it comes to holding ourselves to this higher moral standard, the Bible doesn't really compromise. I don't think it, and, and it definitely doesn't give us permission to. It doesn't say, well, in this one instance, you're allowed to stoop down to the low, sinful nature of the world to get this done. No, you're supposed to hold yourself to this, excuse me, completely higher standard so that you can be the light in the world that everyone is looking up to and trying to achieve themselves. Not you. And I don't mean that as in everyone's trying to be you. I just simply mean that you're letting the light of the work that Jesus has done in you to be able to be at that higher standard. You're letting that shine. 
but anywho. Um, moving right along with the Bible being pretty clear uh, Bible is pretty clear about a lot of things um, we can look at what governments are supposed to be like according to the Bible uh, if we look at Romans 13 and if we're, we're going to use verses 3 through 4 in this, uh, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God and an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Romans 13 talks a little bit about submitting authority, but another thing that people often miss is it talks about a little bit what uh, the authority is supposed to look like. It's supposed to be the sword that upholds God's standards, God's moral standards. Uh, it's supposed to be a reward for good behavior and a punishment for those of evil behavior not what our current government is which is a punishment for whatever behavior it doesn't like that week um, and back to there's no lesser of two evils and there's no mixing of evils if we have a government that which d ours does this quite frequently where they mix up their evils and uh, try and twist things to uh, constantly benefit them that's against God's standards um, I'm not going to actually I'm going to uh, if we go in and we want to know a little bit more in detail what the moral standards are according to the Bible we have the great commandment which is just an extension of the ten commandments which are in Exodus chapter 20 and they start in verse 3 you shall have no other gods before me uh, you shall not make your for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or it is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth you shall not bow down to them or serve them for i am the lord your god and i am a jealous god visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work. You you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And if you continue through Exodus, and also if you read through Leviticus, it literally just continues um, with rules and arbitrations based off those moral standards. It's pretty clear what God's moral standards are, even if a lot of the stuff that's in Exodus doesn't necessarily apply to us today because of the way that society has completely changed the the basics of it which are out of matthew 22 33 through, 34 through 40 love your god with all your heart soul and mind and love your neighbor above yourself those are god's moral standards um to dive a little bit deeper into that, a little bit more practical, so what some of that might look like would be if we go to Leviticus 19, start in 13, and then we'll do 15 through 18. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of hired workers shall not remain with you all the night until morning. You shall not do injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Um, if we go up to Matthew. You want me to do Matthew and you got Romans? Sure. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We go back to Romans 13. Uh, starting in verse 8 owe nothing owe no one anything except to love each other for the ones who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments you shall not commit adultery you shall not murder you shall not steal and you shall not covet and any other commandment are summed up in this word you shall love your neighbor as yourself love does no wrong to a neighbor therefore love is fulfilling the law And then if we go to 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 24. In the notes, it just says 1, 4. And I'm like, mm, I don't know what to turn <laughs> I was to. really confused there for a second, and I figured it out. Uh, and this one, I think, is interesting. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Um, I think that that particular verse is also a really good uh, uh, argument for a more libertarian style law structure. Just because it's just because it's legal doesn't mean it's moral. 
Um, just because it's not harming your neighbor doesn't mean it's something that's building up for you as a Christian or moral for you as a Christian. But that doesn't mean that you should go out of your way to make it uh, something you that they can't do because you don't agree with it. Are they harming anyone? No. Well, then theoretically, they're 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 still, for the large part, upholding God's law as much as you should be holding them to. And that's kind of the end of it. So, we take all this into context and start applying it and looking at it. Does it even let you vote at all? For to love our neighbor above ourselves, I mean, that would require us to not vote anything in that would force our neighbor to do something that they don't want to do because we don't want to be forced to do something that we don't want to do. I think people have a disconnect between what voting does. They don't realize that voting is an action and they're it may not be instant, but there eventually is a reaction to them voting for something. Yeah, um, the the action of, I mean, let's let's look at a candidate for example. The action of you voting a candidate in is that candidate then uh, changing and choosing policies that affect other people's lives. Well, if that candidate is putting in policies that are uh against god's rules both for government and for human interaction in general can you vote for that candidate and still be still be obeying god another example would be if we just look at laws if you vote a law in that is coercive in nature or you vote a funding bill in that funds a agency that is coercive in nature are you obeying god and the simple answer is no you're not um like uh recently in this past voting cycle in oregon there was the i can't remember exactly what it was but on the ballot it was make x drug illegal or make x drug legal with restrictions and to create an entire department to regulate it so unless you're following our rules uh you're gonna get uh, a gun pointed at you and arrested and fined yeah i mean i don't know if that's the best example considering it's not, that but before it's the only before, thing that came to mind <laughs> but before that you got a gun pointed at you anyways yeah um both, well, uh, be... both end with guns being pointed at <laughs> yeah. no, Never mind. I'll just keep my mouth shut. Um, man, a, a, a good law to come up with would would have would have would have been a good idea here. Uh, think of any law that you've recently voted in that forces people to do things um wear a mask 
yeah, if you voted to make people wear a mask, that's not really good. Oh, wait, we never got uh, to vote on that. It was just a mandate. Nice. Yeah. But you voted for the person that made the mandate, so there you go. Uh-huh. No, I did not vote for my governor or any governor. I have never voted. I didn't vote for an Oregon governor either or an Idaho governor. Why are you telling these people where we live? Because we, you just talked about an Oregon law. Did I? Yeah. Dang it. <laughs> Boo. Um, another thing we kind of wanted to cover real quick is a lot of times people will try and take this argument and turn it into, well, if I'm supposed to take care of a neighbor, am I not taking care of them by taking their stuff away in order to keep them safe? Because I'm keeping them safe, so therefore I'm caring for my neighbor. And that's, once again, you're you're trying to make a lesser of two evils argument. You're trying to say that if I do this lesser wrong it's better than the more wrong option that could come out of it. If I take this person's guns away, then they might not commit a mass shooting, which is uh, more evil than me stealing. So therefore, I'm justified in doing it. Um, and By stealing your property, I am creating... It's less evil than you going out and uh, killing people. <laughs> And I, I'm going to say that that's a, a very false idea. Two, first off, two wrongs don't make it right. But second off, I mean, we, we covered that at the beginning. Like, there's no such thing as lesser of two evils. It's evil and evil. So you going out and committing evil, well, you're, you're now disobeying God. And trying to justify it and say that it was a righteous disobedience of God is <laughs> kind of silly to me. So um, that's how I usually approach that argument because I think it's uh, really based in a false idea. So when would be a time that is acceptable for a Christian to vote? Um, basically, there's a couple instances. A, if you're getting rid of any course of laws, if you have the option to vote no on renewing a law unless... It's a do not murder law or a do not steal law. Um, then, yeah, you should probably vote no to on renewing that law. Another option would be if you can, if you can, and I'm not saying they don't exist because I know every once in a blue moon they do come up. Why they want to be in government, I don't know, but there are some good people out there. I, I think Ron Paul would be a good example of one. Um, and I think there's been one or two other various people. But voting for a candidate... Please refer to Donald Trump episode. <laughs> voting for a candidate who follows God's standards for government. 
both in the Romans 13 sense and also in the love your neighbor and God's moral laws sense. Um, not uh, robbing your neighbor of property that doesn't belong to you and so on and so forth. Um, there, there's a long list of standards, but if, if there's a candidate who wishes to uphold those, um, that is a time when you can vote. And from there, ba I mean, basically, it's just any 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 time you're upholding God's standards in a non-coercive manner is the very simple breakdown. And yes, that's very few and far between. And yes, if you were to actually do that, it would very much change the way things were voted for. And yes, there might be some, quote, evil candidates that got put in power. But guess what? evil candidates are in power anyways so Oof. <laughs> biden is still your president kamala <laughs> is still the vice president oh i watched a video of her today and freaked me out <laughs> she's like laughing about people being arrested and i'm like what is wrong with you <laughs> Is it the one where she laughs about people getting arrested for smoking marijuana when she admits to smoking marijuana? Oh, no, it's not that one. It's a new one that came out today. It's even worse. Oh, nice. I think it's like she's laughing about kids in cages or something. I'm like, Jesus. Right. So, long story and short, it's not really moral for you to, as a Christian to vote. Now, I want to point something out about this. Just because you shouldn't be voting for evil candidates, that doesn't mean you should be completely disconnected from politics. I don't think anywhere in the Bible it says you should be completely disconnected from what's going on in the world. We're called to be the light in the world. We're called to be the uh, truth speaker, the moral guidance of the world, per se. Um we're, I mean, we're called to be the light in the darkness. That means that you don't necessarily go hide in a hole and hope everything passes, but that doesn't mean that you put your name on some lesser evil in hopes that it improves the system to make it better one day. No, you need to support only what is right and only what is good. And yes, it may get ugly but i think the bible is pretty clear that it will get ugly and it doesn't matter you're supposed to support what is true period anything else to add no not really <laughs> this is one of those episodes where garrett talks a lot and tanner sits quietly listening <laughs> As I, I think I said this when we tried to record it the first time. Uh, that, that's why I keep not saying anything because I'm like, oh, I said that. And then I'm like, wait, no, I didn't say that. I said that last time we tried recording. <laughs> uh, not only, like, I am extremely new to the libertarian anarchist way of thought. Like, as of last year. Like, nine months ago, I would say. I'm even newer to the 
anarcho-Christian way of thinking, and I still spend tons of time in my Bible reading and studying, and it's to the point Garrett here can ramble on for 39 minutes and 10 seconds, <laughs> and I'm over here still studying because I don't know if my opinion or is either right or wrong, and I still am collecting my thoughts, so it'll be interesting how my knowledge grows as we continue with this podcast. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, and it's not necessarily a bad thing to not have something to say. Um, I've always been the person that usually doesn't have anything to say and just sits back and listens to everyone talk, and if I have something, I will interject. So not only being on a podcast is weird for me, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but usually I've always been the quiet one that doesn't have much to say unless it's important. Yeah. Well, and even then, it's always good with Bible, uh, biblical stuff in general. We should be looking to the Bible for our theology, not looking at our theology and trying to put the Bible into it. So, mm-hmm. Which that's something I've realized is my theology matches with the Bible, but I should be looking at the Bible to make sure my theology matches with it. But, yes. yes, exactly. And I'm I, I genuinely think... trying to reverse that rather than being like oh this matches up with the way i think it now yeah uh, and and that's partially why it's taken us seven episodes to get a bible deep dive out is we've been trying to make sure we're talking from the bible not just from our opinions because mm-hmm. our opinions should come from our belief Correct. oh that's that's something i want to say matthew chapter seven i have an open uh the sermon you sent me, Matthew chapter 7, that talks about uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. your fruits of... That's 12, right? I think. Starting in verse 12? Maybe it's not Matthew 7. Fruits of your labor. Your tree will bear fruits. And... Oh, yeah, it's 15. 15? Is that what it is? Yep. And talks about... Yeah, as Christians, you're you will bear fruit, and if some trees will bear rotten fruit, and some trees will bear many fruit, and if we apply this, if we take, if we apply this to voting, like there are some people that you can look at whether they bear fruits based off of their past voting record or whatever, and. I'm mixing up my words now and confusing myself. But you, you want can... me to read the passage and yeah, give go you a second it. to think about it? Go for it. So Matthew 7, starting in verse 15, Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. All grapes gathered from thorn brush are grapes gathered from thorn brushes or figs from thistles. So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruits is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Yeah, and I think if we apply that to our 
today's political people, yeah, sure, there are some good things that they do, but you can also look at their some things that they have done that aren't good, and we should always base our action, uh, decide on what we should do, or decide our, on voting not by what they say, but what they do. That's where I'm trying to get. Yes. Uh, people can talk a big game, but uh, an, an actual cha uh, heart change or an actual good heart only comes from one place. Um, and if you're looking at a politician who claims to be some righteous savior, if at the end of the day they are bearing bad fruit, you know where their heart lies and you know what kind of candidate they are. Yep. Sweet. Anything else? I don't think so. Nice. At the end of the day, our interpretation of our studying If you disagree, tell us why. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you think we're completely wrong, go into the Bible and show us why we're wrong. We, I mean, Don't I write me an all-caps email about how <laughs> terrible and how wrong I am. I no, mean... go into the Bible and show me what the Bible says I'm wrong. With that. And that doesn't mean that I'm trying to be arrogant either. And just, no, of like, course not. I, I want... I want to know what the Bible says that says that I'm wrong. And if we're wrong, then good. We learned something. Sweet. We learned something new. Anywho. Uh, you can send that nasty email to pokingthepot at protonmail.com. And you can also send an angry message to Instagram, pokingthepot, and Twitter, pokingthepot. Uh, thanks to Mark of the Boogs for the out, uh, for the artwork and Alien Ski Void Band for the intro and outro. Yeah. This has been another wonderful episode. Yeehaw. Have a good evening. No king but Christ. Good night. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already. Uh, for the last 25 years, actually it's overfulfilled because uh, demoralization now reaches such areas where previously not even Comrade Andropov and, and all his experts would, would even dream of such a tremendous success. Most of it is done by Americans to Americans, thanks to lack of moral standards. As I mentioned before, uh, exposure to true information does not matter anymore. A person who was demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him.